Good morning, church. Let's take just a moment to look around the, uh, the audience, the room, and wave hello to our brethren, right? And this morning, if, again, like we said last week, if you see someone that you haven't had a chance to greet, please take the time to do so, uh, so we can um, make sure that everyone uh, is happy and feels comfortable with being here. This morning, just for a moment before we begin, uh, there is, uh, you've noticed in your bulletin uh, email, there was a photo kind of like this. And what it, what it has is a URL at the bottom of it, and it's God Loves Alaskans uh, at worldbibleschool.com. And so um, the way this works, just so you know, is if you'll just take that, that image that you have received and put it on your social media or uh, take this particular uh, pamphlet set it in doctor's offices or somewhere of that sort. At the very bottom, if people are interested in a Bible study, you've already done your part. Um, they will uh, enroll into the Bible study uh, program and everything's taken care of from there. If you're interested in teaching a Bible class, then see me and I'll, I'll show you how this works. It's all digital. Uh, but if you would just help to set this up, uh, how wonderful that would be. Uh, we're already ready, we're already set up, and we're already established to begin the Bible studies on World Bible School. And so if you would like to help us, please, again, post it on your social media uh, webpage or of some sort uh, or print the flyer, paste it, put it somewhere. These are also on the table in the rear. There are also cards that you can use. You can hand those out. So please help us out in helping uh, to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ uh, to our world that we live in today. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our great Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name. You are amazing. Hallowed be your magnificent name. We humble ourselves to you, Lord God, and submit. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We pray that our worship this morning will, and thus far, has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we ask, Lord God, that you will bless and guide the rest of our worship. Keep our minds focused only on you and on your word, your will, and your way, and Bless us to be able to take a deep look within ourselves so that we can ensure that our relationship with you is sound and pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son. It's in his name we pray and thank thee for be that will. Amen. Still um, thinking about seeking life amongst a, a dead world. We know it only brings, it brings unhappiness, it brings dissatisfaction. The deadness of the world uh, is a common human error that it leads only to destruction. In fact, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. If you think about it, the world, a dead world, and trusting in it leads to this, this uh, now mental issue called depression, right? Worry and depression. And Jesus says, my people don't have to worry. Right? My people don't have to be depressed because we have a living God and a living hope. In Philippians 4, in verse 6, God says, by way of inspiration, be anxious for nothing. Right? Nothing. There's not a thing you can say to God that you could justify being anxious about. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by 
prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses, which surpasses all human, right? All comprehension. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. Maybe it's in the angelic world as well. But it surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Christians, we don't have to worry because we can give everything to God. And that's where it should lay. It should go to God and stay with God. But I want to look this morning at some examples uh, of of people seeking uh, life amongst the deadness of our world. We're going to start with Israel. Jeremiah chapter 1. The Israelites were seeking for help. Now, now remember last week we talked about those dead idols. And they were going to these dead idols and asking these dead idols that they themselves constructed for help. Right? And like we, like we discussed, if you made it, you're greater than the thing you made. And yet they were going to these dead idols and asking for help. Why? Jeremiah 1, verse 15. Listen to what God says. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they will come and they will set each one on his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem and against all its walls and round about and against all the cities of Judah. And I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness whereby they have forsaken me and have offered sacrifices to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. Imagine that, right? I made it, and it's inferior. Last week, we looked at it, and it says, you, you make a house with the wood, and you have some wood left, and with it, you cook a meal, and then you say, oh, I'm cold. So you, melt, you build a fire, and then you say, hey, we've got some leftover wood. Let's make a god, and let's say that's our god. It makes no sense. So God says they've forsaken me and then Judas worshipped an idol God. In chapter 2, in verse 11, God says, Has a nation changed gods when there were no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So can you imagine that? You have a cup and it has no bottom. (laughs) And you put it in the faucet. It's not going to do you any good. But they forsook God for that which would do them no good. They were, they were worried about life and they were worried about worship, if you will, or worshiping something, but they weren't worshiping God. They forsook God for a meaningless and worthless worship. And you know what happens, church? We forsake God, but then when we need help, we run to Him, right? And we're like, oh God, help me, please. And you know, Jeremiah chapter 2, God has something to say about that kind of attitude. 
Listen to what he says. Jeremiah 2, beginning in verse 26. As the thief is shamed when he is discovered, so the house of Israel is shamed. They, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets, who say to a tree, you are my father, and to a stone you gave me birth, for they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. Here's what God says. But where are your gods, which you made for yourselves? Let them arise if they can save you in the time of your trouble. For according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. God says, don't come to me when you're in trouble, when you're not going to come to me and worship me. We were in trouble, church. COVID was here. And we said, God, help us. It's time to come back, church. It's time to give it to God, right? We haven't given it. We got to give it to God. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you, God, for helping us. We said, God, help us. And God helped us. And now what are we going to do about it, right? What are we going to do about that? Are we seeking for help because of worry? And if you are worried, why are you worried? And why are you going to someone else or something else to get the help that can only come from God? Oh, King Saul, 1 Samuel 28. You know what he did? He knew it was wrong. But old Saul goes looking for help. He was worried. The Philistines were everywhere. And he wondered, where am I going to get my help from? He had forsaken God, you see. And so what does he do? He goes to the worthless. He goes to a false medium or a medium which is always false for help. You know what he did in essence? He went to Satan to get help. Let me tell you something. Satan is never going to help you, church. Verse 5. 1 Samuel 28. And when Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid and the heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. It kind of sounds like Jeremiah 1, doesn't it? And once you go to your gods, old Saul, right? Go to yourself since you made yourself God. So God didn't answer him. In verse 7, then Saul said to his servants, Seek for me a woman who was a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium in Endor. And you think he got the help he needed? No, nope. because Satan's not going to help you. Right? And, and so he goes to this woman. Verse 8, then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothes and went, uh, excuse me, and he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. Why don't you just go to God? <laughs> you know how we do it, right? We, we go all around the, you know, the circle, and then eventually we get back to God, and sometimes we pass him over and go back around the circle again. Look, we got to go to God for all things. Luke chapter 12, seeking for life, Amongst the deadness of the world, seeking for life amongst dead things. Why would I seek for life amongst dead things? Some of us are seeking for life in riches. Storing up treasures, right? 
That, that's not going to help you when you're on your deathbed. I mean, you might be able to pay the medical bill, but you can't keep yourself alive. And sometimes the focus is on the material and not on the spiritual. We feed, this is amazing to me, we feed the, the flesh, right, with our 401Ks and all those things. We're not storing up treasures in heaven. And let me tell you something, God is not against us storing up treasures depending on where you store them. So Luke 12, this man in verse 16, he told him a parable saying, the land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began to reason with himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, drink, and be merry. But here comes God. God said to him, you fool. <laughs> this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you prepare? See, we're not checking the box by being here this morning. We're, we're worshiping our God and keeping our lives aligned with Jesus. When we leave this building, we're supposed to have the same mindset. That God has to be first and that God is our only Savior. So is the man who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So listen to what God says. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at uh, verse 19. I'm not against you storing up treasures, church, God says. But it's where you store them. Do not lay up for yourselves, verse 19, treasures upon the earth. Where, and we can all testify to this, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You know, I used to live on the Kenai, you all know that. And it's, it's interesting to drive around all the different properties and see, you know, with the big lots, all the broken up and rusted stuff. It's just there. It's just, you know, it's just there. Just broken up and rusted things that you're never going to use, but now you don't know how to get rid of it, right? God says, look, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where's my heart? Look around. Go home and look around. Right? And then he says in verse 20, 22, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Another one did this. You know, the idea of having fun and pleasure. Right? I really actually did this test. And I'm... I don't know if I should say I'm ashamed that I did it, but I did do it. Uh, Luke 15, please. Um, you know, I was, while coming to Christ, um, I, I thought to myself, well, before I, before I make this move, I need to check around and make sure I'm not missing anything. <laughs> I mean, I checked all the churches and I did all that first. And, and, but then I decided I need to go to all the clubs. 
And I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you about this preacher. Your preacher went to the club every night of the week. One, the last week. I said, I'm going to go to the club on Sunday night. Yeah, it's open on Sundays too, by the way. I'm going to go to the club on Sunday night. And I'm going to go on Monday. And I'm going to go on Tuesday. And I'm going to go on Wednesday. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything, right? Because maybe I'm missing something. And you know what? I wasn't missing. That was the most boring event in my life. So why would I do that? I don't know why I did. I wanted to check it out. I guess I wanted to make sure that when I made this move, I was committed. I didn't want to leave anything out there. I wasn't sowing my wild oats. I wasn't doing that. I was just checking out the world. What does a dead world have to offer? Nothing. Right? Absolutely nothing. Well, you know, our friend, the prodigal, he checked it out too. Right? He said, Daddy, give me everything. I, give me all my stuff. His daddy could have said, son, you don't have anything. It's all my stuff, right? right? Oh, that's, that's for the young folks, right? Just so you know. <laughs> that's just your daddy's stuff, your mama's stuff. All right. Luke 15, uh, the, the boy goes out. Verse, we're going to pick up down here in verse, uh, verse 11. Uh, he said, a certain man had two sons. And, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And by the way, let's emphasize the them because you know the older son was, he took his stuff too, right? Well, that's another story in itself. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a country, a journey in a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Go check it all out, right? And the, the problem with that is it's short lived, right? And, and when, you, when he squandered his, his money with loose living, his stuff, he made lots of friends. You know how that works, right? Picking it up in verse 14. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. And he started texting all of his Facebook friends, right? And they were like giving him a like. But nobody was helping him, right? That's, that's free. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And what, a, what a despicable place to be for a Jew, right? And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him, I love that verse, no one was giving him anything, right? Oh, they'll help you squander your money. But then when it's gone and you have a need, then you find yourself having a need, right? What do you do? What do you do in, in, your, in life when you find that you have a need? Don't do what he did. Don't go to your friends. Where do we go? Go to God, right? Be with God in everything that we do in our lives, right? Here's what happened. But when he came to his senses, Remember earlier I said it doesn't make any sense to trust in material things. When he came to his senses, this is what he did. He said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. And, he, and he, when he came to his senses, his desire was to honor God. He said, i got to give it to God. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father, but I've sinned against God. And the father gives us this insight as to what was happening when that man, that young man, was sinning against God. 
The Father says in verse 32, But we have to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead. See, he was in a dead world, and when you're in a dead world, you're dead. Right? We have to be separate right, from the world. And he's begun to live, and he was lost, and has been found. So, uh, Psalm 14. So don't align yourself with Satan. Never align ourselves with the deadness of the world that exists right here in our midst. It's, in, it's right here. This is, this is what Satan says. This is, Satan says, I've got it all for you. He, Satan can give you nothing but death. Everything that Satan gives us is, comes in a pretty package, but it's rotten to the core. And yet we fall for that trick time and time again. It is a foolish attempt to find life in the fullest, right? To find life, real life, without God. It's not there. It does not exist. Satan fools us. It does not exist. Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. God wants to know what's in your heart today, church. Right? Am I seeking the deadness of the world? Am I seeking in materialism and fun and all that kind of stuff? Entertainment, right? Or am I seeking God? God wants to know. Someone would say inquiry minds want to know. But God is the one who wants to know. And in Psalm 16 and, and verse 11, uh, the Bible says there, Thou wilt make known to me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand there is pleasures forever. God says, if you're looking for it, I've got it. Right? Don't look in the world. Don't look through the world to find the fullness of joy and pleasure. Find it in God. When I remember talking to some folks who weren't necessarily living the best of lives, some folks that I knew, they were living lives that we would consider ungodly and and I said to them, when they asked me about coming to Christ and being a Christian, and they said, well, there's no fun in being a Christian. I said, the difference between being in Christ and being out of Christ is, my fun, I can leave with a good conscience. But you're still running from the police. <laughs> right? Yeah, I see. There is fullness of joy in Christ. And sometimes our young folks, our young teens are looking for joy and excitement and they don't know yet. They haven't learned. we got to tell them. Teach them. Show them. I like to say, you know, it's funny that people grow up outside of Christ and they live ungodly and wicked lives and then they come to Christ. You know you're going to end up here anyway. You might as well start out here and do as little damage to your soul, to your life, to your mind as possible. So you won't have to overcome as much. He who is forgiven much loves much. Fullness and abundance is in Jesus. John 10 and verse 10. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. God knows what we need. God knows that we're looking for life in abundance. You can't find it anywhere else. We can only find it in Jesus. Colossians chapter 3. And I think what happens, I don't know, I, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we even come to the church house, DOA, right? dead on arrival. You know, and we, we, we make worship seem like it's this dead thing. Look, we've got to be alive, church. Right? We, got, we have to inspire each other, encourage one another. Because in about, I don't know, a few minutes, maybe I shouldn't say that, I'm a preacher, about 30 minutes, uh, <laughs> we're going to go back out in that world, and it's time to fight, guys. We're back at war against Satan. And if we haven't found what we're looking for here, in Christ, in Jesus, you might not do so well in this war. Colossians 3 says, verse 1, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I love it. It's like, this is what we do. We live like Jesus lived. A man who lived on the earth, but his mind was in heaven. Right? We're living on earth, but our mind is in heaven. Because what God has for us in heaven is, is un, unspeakable, if you will. Even Paul said that. There was a language they spoke that was unspeakable. It's, we can't even understand it. We can't even comprehend it. Not yet. Keep our minds in heaven. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above and not the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, Christ is our life when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. It's all in Christ. Amen. Hebrews chapter, chapter 9. To be able to have a clear conscience. I talk to folks out there and they go, yeah, I don't know, I'm still struggling with guilt. To live a guilt-free life, you can only find that in Christ. To live with a good conscience. To have a good conscience. To have a clear conscience. Verse 11 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh. We're not looking for that, church. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, Offered himself without blemish to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living, not dead, the living God. You know what I love about the first century church? The Bible says in Revelation 12, they did not fear death. And they were dying, church. 
They did not fear physical death because they were looking to heaven to be with God. Oh, what a feeling. Oh, what an understanding. Oh, what a relationship to be able to be in the presence of God in this life and the life to come. John 17, 3, eternal life is in this life too, church. Right? We just, we just transition. We go from this world, you close your eyes, and you wake up in the next one. Isn't that good news? That's why we're here. That's why we serve God. That's why we're Christians. Because we want life and not death. John 1, God tried to tell us. He tried to tell us. I'm going to close in John 1. The question this morning is, am I or have I been listening? He tried to tell us. In him, verse 4, was life. Satan tried to trick us, brother. He's deceiving us. There is no life outside of Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or could not overpower it. And so tonight, just to think about this thought. When the sun goes down and we have some darkness, and you look up into the sky and you see the greater light and the lesser light, you'll see the lesser light, the moon, and you'll see the stars. And all throughout the galaxies is darkness. But the darkness cannot overpower the light. And you and I, we, are those stars in a dark world. This morning, the lesson is yours. Why am I seeking the living among the dead? The angel asked the ladies, why are you at the tomb? Jesus isn't here. He told you. This morning, God told you. You're listening to his word. This morning, you're not a child of God. We encourage you to become one, to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, believing his word and repenting of your sins, confessing his name, being baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. If you're struggling in your walk of faith and you just want prayers made on your behalf, let us pray with you and pray for you. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? Our story, our Savior.